Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. So happy to have you here today. Thank you for spending this time, not only with me, but also bettering yourself as a person and as a professional. I am so happy to have you here. So today we are going to do an episode of Ask Amanda Anything. And I got a great question that I've gotten a few times now that I think warrants its own podcast episode. So we are going to talk a little bit about parenthood. I feel that the majority of nursing professionals are of childbearing age. So this is definitely a conversation that comes up a lot. And there's not a right or wrong way to go about these challenges, but there are certainly things that require some thought and consideration as you navigate them. So I'm going to share a specific question that I got, and I'm going to break it down into a couple different sections that we can kind of talk about so that you can feel prepared for this season of your life. So the specific question that I received is from um, a student in my community who said, I am a new nurse practitioner and still working as an RN, and I am expecting my first baby. I'm now considering the logistics of interviewing while pregnant, transitioning to the NP role during this big life change, and navigating maternity leave in my first role. Can you provide any advice? So this is a good trio of questions that I thought that we could address in today's episode. So specifically, interviewing while pregnant, transitioning to the NP role, um, or even the nursing role during a big life change, and navigating maternity leave in the first role. So let's go ahead and dive in, you know, a little bit of a background about my experience in this area. So I became an NP before I became a mom. And I had been an NP for several years, probably five years before getting pregnant and having twins. So my first pregnancy was a twin pregnancy. Uh, I was working in the ER at the time. And uh, my babies were born early. So I went into preterm labor and had my twins at 31 weeks and they were in the NICU for about a month. So basically any plans that I made were disrupted a little bit by early arrival of babies and then an extended maternity leave because if I had just taken, you know, the traditional 6 weeks of leave, I wouldn't have had any time home with my babies. You know, the second baby came home 5 weeks after she was born, so I would have had a week So long story short, I ended up taking a total of four months. So three months of that was FMLA sanctioned maternity leave. And then I was granted an additional 30 day leave of absence from my job because the hospital allowed that I could 
write in and request a leave of absence, which was a leave without pay. I had to go through all my PTO first, but ultimately this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be home for that additional time to, you know, have bonding time and get used to our routine at home with with not just one baby, but two babies. It was kind of wild. So I definitely have that firsthand experience of that. And I did go back to work full time. And when my twins were one and a half or so, I dropped down to part-time. And after I dropped down to part-time, I got pregnant with our third baby. So when the twins were almost three, or maybe two and a half, when the twins were two and a half, I got pregnant. So went through kind of the whole thing again with our third baby. So let's talk a little bit about interviewing and specifically interviewing while pregnant. And then I'll probably talk about, I have not ever interviewed while pregnant, but I've interviewed with a newborn. So we can talk about that too, because I think that the bigger question is, what do you disclose in an interview when it comes to your personal life, your parenthood life? Does anybody want to hear that? Is there any place for that in the interview? So yeah, so let's dive into that. Let's talk about interviewing while pregnant. And the first question to answer or to talk about is when to disclose that you're pregnant or if to disclose that you're pregnant. And this answer for me is it depends. So while I firmly believe that you should never assume someone is pregnant unless you are actually witnessing a birth happening, if you are at the point when you appear to be pregnant, when others could assume based on your body shape, that you are with child, it is probably a good idea to disclose your pregnancy in the interview. And in fact, if you have actually thought through your return to work scenario, meaning if you've actually kind of considered what your plan would be. So let's just say you're interviewing when you're eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant, and your plan is to start a job after you take time to have your baby. If you've thought that through and you present that, that could actually be in your favor during an interview. So it's the type of thing where you could say, you know, you may have guessed, but obviously I am pregnant. And and here are my thoughts of how I want to start this role. Because the reality is for at least a lot of nurse practitioner jobs, the hiring and credentialing process can take some time. Sometimes it can take the entire length of a maternity leave. So, you know, potentially that timing could work in your favor if you are near the end of pregnancy, you're interviewing, and you are looking for a position to start after you have the baby. So, this is a situation where I think, you know, depending on your comfort, you can consider disclosing this in the interview and pairing that with your plans for how and when you would either start the job or return to the job. Because from the employer side, they're going to start thinking through, okay, how's this going to work? What's this going to mean for this potential employee? And if you've already thought through a couple scenarios and you can present those, I think that will work in your favor because it shows that you've thought through their objections, so to speak. Because even though starting a family is a wonderful thing, becoming a parent is wonderful, To some employers, it can be a perceived liability. It could be a perceived hurdle that needs to be overcome from a human resources perspective. And it 
poses its own challenges and paperwork and things to work through. So if you can have that perspective and and realize that the employer is going to be coming at the scenario, not with the enthusiasm of like one of your parents who's becoming a grandparent, for example, I think it will be helpful for you to navigate the discussion. And it really shows that you've anticipated any concerns that the potential employer would have. And and hopefully they will be grateful that you have thought this through and, and presented the solutions along with the potential challenge. That's my thought about if you are later in your pregnancy, like maybe third trimester. If you're earlier in your pregnancy, I don't think that it's necessary to disclose this in the first interview. But it may be wise to discuss it after you've received an offer or while you're in those offer or negotiation discussions. The same way that you might wait to let an employer know that you'll need time off for a pre-planned several week vacation or a wedding and a honeymoon, this is just courteous to let them know about this several month period of time off that you will need. I'm a big fan of honesty, so I think that it shows your integrity if you are discussing it before you kind of finalize things, even if it's you saying, oh, by the way, you know, I just need to let you know that X, Y, and Z. I'm, I'm expecting and I will be requesting time off during this time period for the birth of my child. I think that it's a a courteous thing to discuss and to let them know. But that being said, it doesn't need to happen at the very first interview. I think that it would show more integrity to do that as opposed to going through the process, signing all the documents, starting, and then kind of disclosing on your first day or your first week, oh, by the way, I'm expecting I'm pregnant. Certainly, if you become pregnant in that period of time, it's a different conversation. But consider, again, this isn't a rule, this is just my opinion, consider having this conversation during the offer negotiation portion, kind of as you are accepting the role and signing. And I will remind you that pregnancy is considered a protected class of working people, meaning that you can't be discriminated against because you are pregnant. You can't be denied a job because you are pregnant. So letting the process go to the point of the offer stage and then disclosing is kind of a way to be honest, but also get far along in the process so that if they were to rescind their offer after finding out that you were pregnant, that's wrong. That's not That's not the right thing to do. Earlier on in the hiring process, it's harder to have any sort of case that that's why you were not offered the job because they're likely going to be interviewing more than one person and can always just say that someone else was more qualified. They're likely not going to cite that the reason why they didn't push you along in the process was because you were pregnant. So just kind of keep that in mind. I'm not one for turning... (laughs) situations into legal scenarios if not necessary. But I do just want you to keep in mind that if for whatever reason someone ever says to you that you're either fired, let go, no longer employed, not hireable, or any of those things because of your pregnancy, that is that's a reason to talk to an employment attorney because that's not a legal thing to do. So I do want to, while we're talking about interviewing, I do want to talk about 
benefits. Because as you're thinking through the possible scenarios of how your employment is going to go before and after the baby is born, I want to just give a brief overview of things like FMLA and short-term disability, because these are often things that not a lot of people know about until they uh, are expecting. So whether or not you will be eligible will be determined by your employee handbook. Okay, so a lot of people are surprised to find out that not every employer is obligated to participate in FMLA. First of all, you must have 50 employees or more as a business to uh, be mandated to participate in FMLA. And FMLA is Family Medical Leave Act, which is basically a governmental mandate that your job should be protected if you take a period of time off for caring for a sick person, like a a sick family member, if you yourself are sick, or for the birth or adoption of a child. So basically, it's a 12-week period. It's There's no guarantee of payment. It's just a period of time off that you are allowed to leave your job and come back to a position of similar standing, basically. There's actually no guarantee. Under FMLA, they don't even have to guarantee you your exact job back. They just have to guarantee you a similar position during this period of leave. So I would first look into and find out whether your new employer or your current employer participates in FMLA and whether or not this will be a benefit that's available to you. Also, if you are going to be a new employee, you will need to determine your eligibility for FMLA. Many employers, you must be working someplace for one year in order to be eligible for these benefits. Okay, so if you're interviewing for a position while pregnant, this may be a moot point, meaning you may not be eligible for FMLA, you may not be eligible for paid family leave if your state participates in that, and you'll have to see what the conditions are, what the eligibility requirements are to participate in your employer's short-term disability plan, okay? So it's good to know these things. A lot of times you may not have easy access to this information before you are hired. If you are interviewing at a large medical network, hospital system, a lot of times these documents can be found online through their HR portion of their website. So I definitely encourage you to to look these things up and and find find answers so that you can have an idea of what you will be navigating when it comes time to take time off. If you're not eligible because you're a new employee or your employer doesn't participate in FMLA, you'll want to know whether they will honor your spot, whether they will let you take a leave of absence, and whether you will be allowed to use your vacation time or PTO time, or whether it will need to be unpaid, and, and the length of time that you will be allowed to take and still be guaranteed your job back. So that's an important conversation to have. And and depending on, you know, when you've disclosed and when you've had this conversation will determine when you have this follow-up conversation as well. I'm definitely not an an FMLA or short-term disability expert. I have some firsthand knowledge on that. Uh, I will say that Google is your friend here. So there are lots of information, lots of websites, articles about FMLA online. And 
it's always a good idea to also uh, do a Google search for the state that you live in, because some states have different rules. Like, for example, New York State has a paid family leave program. So in addition to short-term disability, which is a way to get part of your paycheck paid while you're out on maternity leave, the family leave program can supplement that as well. So short-term disability paid family leave is hardly ever 100% of your pay. Just keep that in mind. So you often can supplement with your time off hours to reach that full paycheck until you burn through all your time off. Or sometimes it just means you're taking a reduced salary for that time that you are out on short-term disability or, or whatever your family leave situation looks like. So next, let's talk about transitioning to the NP role during a big life change. And I think this will really apply to transitioning to any role during a big life change. But what I want to say is to set appropriate expectations first, okay? Expect this to be difficult. And I don't say that to be discouraging. I just say that to kind of set set expectations so that if it's not difficult, you're pleasantly surprised. So first of all, speaking specifically to nurse practitioners, new nurse practitioners, you've heard me say this. This is part of the reason why I even have this platform and teach what I do. The transition from nurse to NP can be challenging and that's okay. That doesn't mean that it's not something to be done. It just means that it's something that requires some attention and and some support and some mentorship. But not only are we talking about transitioning from nurse to NP, but also transitioning from not parent to parent is a whole transition in and of itself. And for those two transitions to happen around the same time, that's going to make, I mean, if you add two hard situations together, it makes a harder situation, right? Again, that's not a reason for it not to be done. It's just a reason for you to be well-equipped with the information that you need and the support that you need to be successful, okay? So what I want to encourage you to do is to think through the type of support that you will want and need, okay? So the first thing that I recommend thinking about is your childcare situation. And if you are parenting with a partner, kind of what that looks like, what the childcare situation looks like and what the two work schedules look like in the setting of being a parent. So for childcare, this is thinking about things like daycare versus a nanny versus, you know, a babysitter. What type of set up from a childcare perspective is going to integrate the best into the schedule that you already have for work. So if you are an NP working a traditional office schedule and you have to be there at eight in the morning and you're finishing up after five at night, you know, the question becomes who's responsible for daycare drop off and pick up if if that's what you decide to do. If you're if your baby's going to be watched outside of your home, does the daycare have hours where you can drop off in the seven o'clock hour and pick up in the six o'clock hour? Or is their day shorter than that? In which case, do you need to look for a different daycare or a different setup? 
you know? Or is it the type of thing where your partner or your spouse works different hours such that they can be responsible for either the pickup or drop off so that you're splitting that responsibility, which would work well in case you end up staying late. So for example, if you know that your morning starts at the same time every day, maybe you're the drop-off person. Uh, but if your day ends you know, with some flexibility, depending on late patients or charting or staff meetings or whatever, maybe your partner or another family member is the pickup person if you're doing daycare. When my twins were born, there were a few reasons why we decided to have a nanny instead of daycare. First of all, where we were living, having a nanny was actually less expensive than two infant spots in a daycare. So financially, it was a better situation. The second reason was I worked shift work. I was a a shift worker in the emergency department. So I was on a rotating schedule. So some days I worked 12-hour day shifts. Some days I worked nine-hour evening shifts. After the first few months, I went to overnights, which actually worked out even better for the nanny. So our schedule on my work days, uh, so I would work all my shifts in a row. So I'd bunch them together three in a row. On the first day uh, of my of my three in a row shifts, I would have kind of a regular day. The nanny would come over after lunchtime around, I don't know, one o'clock. I would go upstairs, take like a lick of a melatonin and take a little nap if I could, and get up at five o'clock, shower, get ready for work. The nanny would take care of feeding uh, the babies, preparing them for bed. My husband would get home around six and I'd have to leave for work at 6.30. So, So basically my husband came home at six. When he came home, our nanny went home. And we had like a half hour time of, of passing, <laughs> passing the babies off and kind of getting them settled. I would go into work. I'd work 7 to 7.30. I'd be home in the morning by about 8.15. Meanwhile, our nanny came at 8. That way, my, let's see, the, the kids, the babies would wake up around that time. My husband could get ready for work. And I had the morning time, like an hour with the babies. And then I went to sleep and I slept until five o'clock. So the nanny ended up having very regular hours. She worked eight to six on those days where I was sleeping. She worked 12 to six on the first day. And then on the last day, on my third in a row, I would sleep until three o'clock. So I would get up because I didn't want to sleep all day because I would flip back to a day schedule. So the nanny would work eight to three on that, on that last, on that day after my last night in a row. So that's what worked for us. And we thought it through and we came up with a scenario that integrated well into our lives. Is it possible that if our situation was different, you know, if we needed to have a daycare instead of a nanny, it's possible that these types of decisions lead to a job change, okay, because you can't make it work. But I definitely encourage you to kind of systematically think about all the different options of what's going to work best for you and integrate into your life as it already exists in terms of finding childcare. Like try to move as few variables as possible. Try to find solutions that end up having you move as few variables as possible. And that may need to change or you may not find a solution and you may need to come up with another solution. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the childcare situation. Another thing to think about when you're transitioning 
to the NP role during a big life change or when you're becoming a parent and working at all is figuring out a way to compartmentalize mentally. Okay, so finding a way to switch off your work brain when you're coming home and turning on your parent brain can be super helpful. It's easier said than done in some situations. If you're working in a hospital setting, I think that it's a little bit easier because especially if you're handing off, you know, if you're working in a department, a hospital-based department that has shifts where you sign out to another provider, that for me was my opportunity to to basically empty my brain of all the responsibilities of that day's work. When the sign out happened, when I walked to the parking garage, that was my transition time to leave behind the work of the shift and to transition into my mom brain. (laughs) So that may look different for you. That may be more difficult if you have a job that carries home with you, basically. So if you have to do some charting at home or whatever, you know, try to figure out a setup that will allow you to not be trying to exist in both of those brains at the same time. It's easier said than done, but I think that that is part of what will help with self-care, you know, prioritizing your self-care, prioritizing time with your friends, with your partner, with your family, and seeking support in your community, whatever that looks like, Um, seeking support from friends who understand what you're going through. The power of the shared experience, especially as a parent, is so powerful, so helpful. I know that I found myself in a lot of, you know, mom groups online and talking to a lot of parents who were coworkers. And it's just a different type of connection when you have that thing, that parenthood thing in common, especially when you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Because most of us, when we become parents for the first time, have no idea or feel like we have no idea what we're doing. Next, let's talk about navigating maternity leave in the first role. So mentioned earlier, I would recommend being familiar with the policies of your workplace. So do they participate in FMLA? Is there short-term disability How is maternity leave usually dealt with in that practice setting? If you have a trusted coworker who you can trust not to disclose your pregnancy, ask them about their experience. Ask them a few questions about what maternity leave looked like for them. How does the practice cover people who are out on maternity leave? That type of thing. Because having that type of knowledge will be really helpful as you figure out what the scenario is going to look like for you. And I encourage you to be clear on the boundaries of your leave and to stick to them. So don't log into work email, don't do anything work-related during maternity leave. And actually in many states, this can be pretty serious and the employer could get in big trouble if you do this. So whatever those boundaries are, make sure that they're very clear boundaries and that you respect them um, and that they're respected by your employer during your period of maternity leave or parental leave because it's something that you are entitled to. And if it's been granted to you, you should be able to enjoy it and take it to the full extent of what you've been provided. Okay, so I encourage you not to let anyone, you know, manipulate you or guilt you into doing, oh, do come in and do just this one thing, or can you respond to this email or do this training or whatever. It's it's really not appropriate for you to be doing that while you're on parental leave. And 
And I think that keeping those boundaries is something respectful. And hopefully it will be understood if you need to draw that line when you when you do draw that line and say, I'm sorry, no, I'm on parental leave. I won't be doing this training or I won't be answering this email. So, you know, I have to say this, this, you know, navigating parenthood as a working person is something that I personally struggled with big time. And it's something that I know a lot of other nurse practitioners struggle with as well. So I want to tell you that I've been working on an idea for creating a community that brings nurse practitioners together to support and encourage one another professionally and personally. So I want to tell you a little bit about what I see this community becoming. Basically, I want this community to be a safe place to chat with other NPs who get you. Basically, people, future friends who have been in the same scenarios as you, a place that's focused on the thriving professional uh, as an individual, as opposed to other organizations that are mainly focused on advancing the profession, not the professional. And this is a space that is not just for parents. You know, I, I want this community to be supportive of nurse practitioners in general, as whole people, as people who are navigating work-life balance and professional struggles and professional advancement, professional success. You know, I want it to be supportive on all sides or all ends of the of the spectrum, whether we're supporting your challenges or we're supporting your successes. I think that it could evolve into something pretty amazing, something that doesn't really exist at this moment, as far as I know, you know, I love our professional organizations and the purposes that they serve, but those are organizations that are focused on the profession. And I want to create a space that's focused on the professional, you as an individual, and us coming together as a community. So if this is of any interest to you, I want to invite you to consider joining me as a founding member in the NP Society. So this means you would join at the lowest price possible. You're, it would be forever locked in at that founding member price. I'm in the early stages of planning this out, and I want the founding members to help me co-create this experience. So if this sounds like something you'd like to be a part of, um, I definitely want to hear from you. You can email me personally at amanda at theresumerx.com. Just put the NP Society in the subject line. And the email doesn't have to be long. I just, if you're if you're in, if you're really interested in being a part of this, just let me know and I'll reply to you personally with some more information that I will have put together by then so that you can um, consider joining me in this very exciting new chapter of NP community and NP support. So that's all I have for you today. Until next time, I am always, always rooting for you. Thank you so much for this great question. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, you can send an email. You can send it to amanda at theresumerx.com and it will get to the right place. Or I always welcome and invite you to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if there's something that resonated with you that you want to hear more about, put it right in the review. I read those. I'm so grateful for you, for anyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating or review. It really, it makes my day and it makes this podcast 
pushed out to more to more people. It, it gets in the earbuds of more listeners because of those ratings and reviews. So, all right, until next time, always rooting for you and I'll see you next week. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.